What up? Welcome to a podcast with Mo. I am Mo. This is episode 309. On this episode, I'm joined by our new NBA takes guy, Brett Usher. Uh, we talk about his podcast, The Overstated NBA Show, uh, the TV rules, some thunder talk, NBA takes, uh, NBA 2K, some predictions, uh, more basketball talk, and then content creators, uh, a bunch of other shit. Thanks for checking us out. podcast with mo uh first thing first we're getting to uh is our patreon patreon.com slash podcast mo you go there you give a little bit of money dollar more a month you get early access to these podcasts normally the day after we record them you know you got to let our editor and producer who is me uh fucking get it done and uh, get that early access. You feel good. You're on Twitter. You're bragging about it. You're telling people you're you're fucking the best because you got that early access. So think about it. Uh, if you give enough money, you can be a co-producer like my mother, Marsha Dharma Initiative Bear. It's your boy H2.com, Graveyard Entertainment, and Hexel. Uh, keeping us going of supporting the podcast. We really appreciate it. Also, we have a merch shop at shop.spreadshirt.com slash podcast mo. Or I believe their new thing is like myspreadshop.apodcastmode.com. Something like that. I'll put a link to uh, the store in the comments if you want a shirt. Uh, they're pretty cool. Pretty cool. I would I recommend them. Um, all right. This week, I have a, I'm pretty excited about this guest. You know, I don't normally get excited about these guests. No offense, uh, other guests, if you're listening. But, uh, you know, that's just uh, this dude I've uh, followed for a while through Facebook, which is very strange. Um we, I was in this, the ringer, uh, NBA group, uh, Facebook group. Uh, if people don't know the ringer is Bill Simmons, like podcasts and website network. And, uh, so they're always NBA fans. And there was a group of them that split off and made the overstated NBA group and then made their own podcast. And, uh, this is one of the hosts of that podcast. And so I've been following their page for a long time. Uh, it's where I get almost all my basketball content, uh, you know, at least on Facebook and, uh, you know, I always enjoy their takes, um, their podcasts. I've listened to a handful of times, you know, whenever I don't have anything to listen to, I'm like, oh, hey, there's a new one of these. I'll check it out. So I am familiar. Uh, but anyway, we need we're going to have a fucking expert on here. He got in and talk about basketball. So that's what I'm excited about. Maybe he can make us hopeful about the Thunder, you know, because I love the Thunder. Uh, his name is Brett Usher. Uh, let's give him a call. Where you want to go, man, like in the NBA, you know, we can just fucking shoot the shit however you want to do it um, is is cool with me, man. I can I'm down to talk about whatever, uh, especially with the NBA. So hell yeah. Um, well, the first thing I wanted to ask you is just about your podcast. The overs like, how is the pod? Like, what is it? Tell me about it. Your co-host. How's it doing? You know, all of that, you know, plug it all away and shit. All right. Well, yeah, if we want to start with a, the podcast plug, I can definitely do that, man. It's it's uh, our podcast is called the overstated NBA show. Um, it's myself, a gentleman by the name of Steve Sabatini and another gentleman by the name of Jacob Birkinshaw. Uh, I'm out here in California in San Diego. Steve is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Jacob's in London, England. So we're all over the place, but yeah, we linked up in the ringer, uh, NBA group on Facebook, um, early on in the pandemic, we're just kind of like, no, let's do a podcast. And, um, I don't remember exactly how it came about, but we decided to do it. So and we're still doing it now. So it's been, you know, a year and a half or so anyway. Um, but yeah, it's on it. You know, we just pretty much uh, kind of loosely stick to a different topic every week. Uh, sometimes we'll put out a couple per week, um, but it's available on, you know, all major platforms. So, uh, yeah, you know, feel free to check it out. And if you like it, subscribe. Um, but uh but yeah, that's it's, it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed doing it. That's for sure. It's something I'd kind of always wanted to do and just, you know, never had the equipment or really the know how to do it. Um, but then it turned out it wasn't there wasn't that much to it. And um, and we've had a lot of fun doing it. And, you know, we love all the, the interaction we get from people that listen to it. And, um, you know, it's it's been cool. It's been one of the few like really good things that came out of the pandemic for me because I don't think I ever would have done it if it wasn't for right. that where we were all just stuck at home talking basketball on Facebook and it's like well, why don't we take this to to another medium so it's been cool yeah and I'd say uh you know as someone I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts I would think what kind of separates y'all is 
uh, y'all talk a lot. I mean, I know, I know that sounds weird. Like you go along, like you'll go long for him. Like y'all don't care about like wrapping it up in a minute, like to get your point across. Like one person might talk for a while to get their point across. I think that's what sticks out. Like it's very thorough, you know, and y'all all seem to come very prepared. Um, and maybe that's just, I just listened to y'all's like Western conference preview one, but it seemed like, oh man, this is like way deeper than, than most people seem to, to go into each team. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, Jacob and I especially sort of have a tendency to get a little bit long winded. I think most of the time it's not a bad thing, but sometimes uh, Steve has to rein us in, you know, he's kind of the host and it's good that he's there. Cause he'll be like, you know, he'll, he'll kind of interject where he has to, but uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I can definitely talk about forever, you know, especially if it's like a subject that, you know, a team or whatever that I have a lot of thoughts on. I've um, I got a lot to say. So we, we try to, you know, bounce it around pretty good while we're going, but we do get kind of get on those like one minute, two minute, maybe even three minute, like monologues almost. So I think it's kind of a fine line where it's good to go into depth um, uninterrupted at times, but you also don't want too much of that. So, right. We've, sure. we've been kind of working on finding that balance, um, but uh, right. yeah, but that's, that's definitely true though. Um, yeah. So my, I've, I love the NBA, you know, I got my huge NBA fan, obviously probably not quite the level of you cause you have an NBA podcast. I'm sure that makes you like, if I had to guess once you made a podcast, like you became even more consumed with the NBA um, just because you thought about it all the time. Uh, maybe you were just like that before, but I, I used to love it. I'm in Oklahoma. So growing up, I was more of like a fan of players you know, because we didn't have a team. And then uh, I understand like we stole the Sonics, but I don't give a fuck. It's made like basketball so much cooler to have like a team in my state that uh, it's the best, you know, so fuck fuck anybody uh, who who cares <laughs> is how oh, I yeah. view it. Uh, but yeah, so now like I can be like really into it. And, uh, you know, but what's really bummed me out is after Disney bought Fox Sports, or bought Fox and all that shit that happened. Fox Sports regional networks became Bali Sports and then got removed off of the person's Dish Network login that I used to watch all the Thunder games. And so now I can't watch the Thunder games unless I go get a direct TV subscription just for this oh. one channel. And then I can't go buy the NBA League Pass for my own team because I'm like 93 miles away and that's within the 100 mile radius of the like stadium or some. Like there's all these rules that make it impossible for me to enjoy my yeah. favorite team. I feel you. It's fucked up. I deal with it too, man. And I mean, like I'm definitely uh, like more of a follow players than teams kind of guy myself, as as you might know from just interacting with me in the groups and stuff. But like, you know, my local teams are the Lakers and Clippers because I'm in San Diego and it, it and I deal with this anytime I want to watch one of their games because like I have league pass. And I have YouTube TV. That's how I watch TV and league pass is usually how I watch basketball. But like the, it, the thing is like the, the regional networks aren't carried by YouTube TV here, like the Lakers or the Clippers regional networks. Uh, so because like, so the games are blacked out on league pass, even if they're on NBA TV, they're blacked out. Cause yeah. they, you know, they want you watching them on the, the regional networks, but the regional networks aren't available on YouTube TV. So like, Honestly, when it comes to Lakers and Clippers games, like I'm asked out, like I, I usually have to go to a bar to watch them or, or stream them or something, but I don't really like doing that. So it, it's, they, it's something that they've got to get figured out because, you know, the way people watch TV has changed so much, even just in the last, you know, five years or whatever, um, where, where there's a lot of different ways. It's not just the old fashioned cable model. Um, so I, I really hope that the next time they negotiate a TV deal, um, these kind of problems are eliminated because it drives me crazy. It really does. Yeah. Like I was just trying to watch the, the Lakers game uh, yesterday and or the day before. And it was like, it wasn't possible. And I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense because they're my home team. I'm not allowed to watch them. Like, come on. Yeah. I, <laughs> the reason I learned about it is because I try to buy that uh, where you get just the NBA TV, you know, like it's like not the oh, full yeah. league pass. And then I bought it like the day there was a thunder game and the game was blacked out. And I was like, are you serious? And I canceled it immediately. I was so pissed. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, someday they had to figure it out if they could just come like Amazon prime or something I already own. Of course I would love that. Uh, but we will see. And then speaking of the thunder, I'm like a, this weird fan that, I mean, of course I love the Durant Westbrook era and all that. I mean, that was all fun. You know, I, I think even though it was all failures, I enjoyed, um, all the storylines and just all how much fun it was every year being in the playoffs and all that shit. Uh, but I also will really looked forward to like a rebuild because we were the most spoiled franchise in the NBA. And like I have f 
friends that aren't like NBA fans, but they're Thunder fans. And they'll be like, this is bullshit. I'm like, man, we we made the playoffs every year. What are you talking about? Like, I'm I just I enjoy the rebuild, you know, like I and I enjoy the Lou Dort and the and the SGA stuff like this is probably my favorite era, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's more fun to me. I'm the exact same way, man. I mean, like winning is fun too. Like when it's, when it's your team, but I, I, I really enjoy like watching it being built and then just kind of savoring it when it gets there. And then it's like, you know, um, uh, continuing to enjoy it. Or like in the case of me, man, like I, I really don't have like a favorite team or, or, you know, I've got, I guess a couple of teams I follow a little more closely than others, but I'm pretty much just an NBA fan. So like maybe once a team successfully rebuilds, gets there, uh, establishes themselves as successful. Like I might start following another rebuilding team more closely. So I definitely know what you're saying about the appeal of sort of uh, witnessing a, a rebuild. And I think the funny thing with the thunder is that this is only going to be the second year of their rebuild really. And like, I know I've heard people sort of getting impatient and it's like, all right, when are we going to start uh, cashing in some of these chips? When are we going to start making moves? When are we going to start trying to win? And it's like, yo, like, Y'all are in the playoffs, like in 2019-20, like that year with, with Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari, like that was a playoff team. And then you had last season and now you've got this season. So like, it's really only the second year of the rebuild. It, it feels like it's been longer. I think maybe that's because that, that Chris Paul team wasn't expected to be that good. They definitely exceeded expectations. Um, but, but yeah, hopefully people will be patient because you know, with all the assets and young talent that they've got, they're poised to be pretty fucking good in a couple of years if they just stay the course and and make a couple of smart moves. So, I mean, I love the direction they're headed. I think I think so far it's it's a great rebuild. I mean, their their roster is awesome um, in terms of just, you know, the young talent and um and they, they seem to have an identity or at least like a player type that they're sort of targeting. And um. And then obviously we know about their, you know, 10 million future draft picks, uh, which will come in handy when it comes time to bring in a star to pair with SGA. Right. And that's another thing, uh, you know, because, again, not to like act like I'm some expert NBA fan, but I do think there's levels to this shit, as they say. And like, so I'll talk to someone and they're like, I can't wait till we make all those picks. And I'm like, no, no, we don't want to make those picks. We want to package those and trade them like. But people don't, you know, I guess also people here are football fans. Generally, so I think a lot of like NBA moves through the the lens of like an NFL team and you're like, no, 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 you don't get how the NBA works. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, like you just can't you just can't bring all those guys on board. Like it's just um, it just doesn't work like, you're, you know, you're, you're going to want to look at the strength of the draft draft class and, and where you might land in the lottery and, you know, maybe hold on to some lottery picks for sure. But uh um, but, but, you know, a lot of those mid late first rounders, they have second rounders like that stuff, you know, you'd like to think is all just going to be packaged to, uh, to bring in some stars. Cause you know, you, to win in the NBA, you need stars, like probably you know more so than any other league. I think it's, it's just a star driven league. And, um, and I think SGA is going to be a star, you know, if he's not already, I think he's well on his way. Uh, but I think you're going to want to bring in somebody to pair with him and, and they certainly have the assets to do it. Like just based on the, all the young guys on their team and all those picks, like I always say, like if they, they could become a 50 win team whenever they want, like if they really wanted to, they could probably bring in like a superstar and like maybe a borderline star, put those guys with SGA and you've got a really good fucking team. But, you know, I think Presty wants to be smart about it. Not in a rush. Um, still early in the rebuild. I think this season's going to largely resemble Last season, I think they'll be a little better, but, you know, they're not making the playoffs or anything. And then maybe that next season is when they look to actually win some games or maybe the season after that. Right. Uh, who knows? But well, I think it's fun to like it's last year is impossible to really know because they just took out SGA like they took their best player who's young and we're like, hey, just don't play the rest of the season. And they're like, oh, is he hurt? No, no, he's just not playing. And so really, who knows what they would have ended at last year? And so. I do think it makes it. They fun. weren't bad. They were. Uh, I, I want to say they were. I think they were sixteen and nineteen when he was in the lineup. Yeah, it was and just then, under five hundred. I remember that. And then six and thirty-one. If my <laughs> math is correct. When he was out of the lineup, so like you can see, like they they weren't a bad team. Like they were hovering around five hundred. They were hovering around the playoff picture. Like before he got hurt, and then 
Yeah, I mean, he had an injury, but they definitely were like, yeah, why don't we just make sure you heal up all the way there? You know, right. and we'll, we'll, we'll basically uh, hold you out for the rest of the season. It, it kind of worked out in that sense because they wouldn't have been that bad, I don't think, if he had played the whole season. Well, I mean, and then I do want to shout out Lou Dort because in the bubble, you know, it's everything's such a flash in the pan now. Like, I mean, national media stories about politics, everything, anything NBA. It's like you think about it for a second, then it's gone. But Lou Dort blew the fuck up in the bubble. And he was like clamping down like the most elite offensive players. And like people were like, who the fuck is this? And then, uh, you know, last year, because they weren't good, no one really cared as much about Lou Dort. But I think the reason I like him so much is that as a Thunder fan, we lived through years of like, hey, Presti's bringing in this guy that they say is really good at defense, but can't fucking shoot at all. And uh, you're going to just be out there and pray that when they pass him the ball, he doesn't brick it. Uh, speaking Andre of, Roberson. Yeah. And then so like they bring in this other defensive guy and you're like, God damn it. And all of a sudden he's like hitting threes and you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This guy, this guy might be good. So I just he caught me by surprise. And I think that's why I liked him so much. He's a very interesting player. I mean, <laughs> I always say like he he kind of looks like a Lou Dort. Like if you lined up all the Thunder players to like for somebody who had never watched basketball or knew anything about them. And you're like, which one of these guys is Lou Dort? And he'd be like, that dude's Lou Dort. He, he's just like, yeah. you know, stocky. Like, um, he, but he, yeah, I mean, his his build is is very interesting. He's built like a, a football player. I mean, I think he's like, I think he's 6'3 and, and probably goes like 240 anyway. Um, and yeah, his, I think defensively, man, I think he's like an all defensive caliber defender, like already. Like, I think he's arguably one of the, you know, at least like 15 best defensive players in the NBA. It's just on the perimeter for sure. hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you narrow it down to perimeter guys, he's up there and it's just because like, you're not going to make an all defense if you're on one of the worst teams in the league. But like, if he was on, you know, if he had this kind of role on a good team, I think he might already be all defense. Like he's that good. And then offensively, he's interesting. Like, yeah, he was kind of billed as a non-shooter, but you know, we, we saw him explode not only in the bubble, but throughout last season, he'd have some big games. I don't think his percentages were great overall, but, but, um, but he could kind of get hot, but I think his, his greatest strength on offense and something that he does better than almost anybody is just barreling to the rim and, and finishing actually with some craft. He's a, a pretty creative finisher around the rim. He's got good touch. Um, and so, he, you know, you just he's a guy you don't want to get in his way. He's hes just a beast. But there are I haven't seen too many players like Lou Dort. He, he's kind of his own thing. Um, and what and, you know, I think he's younger than a lot of people realize. I believe he's still only 21. He just oh, wow. kind of he kind of comes off as like a, a more mature player, I think, just with the defense and the and the, the physical, the build. But uh, but he's actually still still a pretty young kid. So he's got a lot of room for growth, too. And I think he's pretty much entrenched as as a starter for them for the foreseeable future right well and then also mother thunder i guess concern is you know we had steven adams for so long and i loved him as like a mascot if you will you know like i i love everything about him as a character um but the way he played i actually think worked really well with westbrook people can say he clogged the lane or whatever but I don't think it mattered. I mean, I think it for whatever reason worked with them too, but I'm glad he's gone. But now we just have all of these like skinny Euro bigs that are all going to be stretch fours, but also centers. And I'm like, maybe it'll work. But also, like I said, we had all these, we had many years of maybe it'll work at a two guard with all these people. So it just, sometimes you get concerned. Like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if the Thunder can pull it off. Yeah. Like I said before, that's kind of the player type that they're going for is yeah. like these, these, these long, thin, like playmaking forwards, you know, when you could talk about Pokashevsky, who's a seven foot, just super sized wing, um, certainly a better shooter than his percentages show. I think a lot of that is just shot selection and uh, just, just kind of acclimating to the NBA game, but the guy can shoot the ball and he can certainly pass the ball. So he's, he's a very, he's an even more unique player type than Dort probably. Right. And yeah. then, you know, Darius Baisley, you know, a, a very good ball handler at, at six, eight, six, nine, uh, can pass the ball a little bit, loves to just attack off the dribble, you know, and then you've got Josh Giddy, obviously the rookie six, eight, maybe a point guard. I mean, he certainly plays like one. I don't know if you caught his, his preseason debut the other night, but that was about as good of a, a rookie preseason debut as I've seen. Uh, he he showed the the total package, so it's hard not to be excited about him at this point. And then even even a guy like uh, um, uh, I'm uh, Krejci, I think is his name, Avit Krejci, uh, the k- kid they brought in. Um, 
from from Europe. He's coming off an ACL, but he's he's back to full health, and he's another kind of six eight playmaking uh, guard slash forward. And Shea's got length, and so you, you know you kind of see like what they're going for, and they're almost probably like, all right, if a couple of these guys hit, like we're gonna have something pretty special. So right. that those are the type of guys that they're they're bringing in, and yeah, man, like they're they're not gonna win too many games with. Poku and Baisley and and Giddy and, and them out there, you know, this season. But uh, but you know, if you look at it from a long term perspective, like you've got some some pretty unique players, and uh, they're they're going to be fun to watch, man. Even if they're losing, for sure, just with all that perimeter playmaking and size. Um, yeah, I uh, that Chris Paul year, you know, I I went to a few games, so uh, I I really liked him, you know, and whatever. And Baisley, for whatever reason, was just my dude that year. So I also really really liked Baisley. So I'm cheering for him hardcore. Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite young players in the league. I think people are definitely sleeping on him. Right. Just like I don't know if they're forgetting how young he is or the fact that he didn't play college basketball or even like the G League. He basically came to the league straight from high school. Um, and I think a lot of people just don't watch a ton of Thunder or maybe are just looking at the wrong things with him. Like, oh, he's not that good of a shooter like you know, he just bricks threes or he makes these bad decisions sometimes. But if you look at what he can do, um, his his ball handling ability at, at that size is is pretty special. And and I've seen some flashes as a passer, as a finisher. Obviously, he's athletic as hell. Um, I just see him as having one of the highest ceilings of any player that age in the league, honestly. And and it's just funny because nobody nobody hardly ever talks about him. But uh you know, I'm still a big believer. Uh, that's for sure. I think, you know, it, even last season, he he produced, he he put up about 14 and seven as a 20 year old. Um, not many guys that age have, have put up those kind of raw numbers, believe it or not, especially when you, when you look at like the one and a half threes per game, but you know, the, a lot was asked of him uh, on a bad team. And so the efficiency numbers certainly suffered, but uh, he showed me enough then. And, and, and even as a rookie um, that where, I, I, I'm very high on Baisley still. I think this is going to be a big year for him. Right. Uh, maybe, maybe like a major breakout. And then Poku, I want to like because uh, you know I listen to the Mismatch podcast, and you know Poku always gets brought up. But every time I watch him, he just looks like he's all knees and elbows, you know. And I don't know if what that means necessarily, but you just are like, is he going to get injured or something? I don't know. Like I. On my po- one thing I love about having a podcast, you may relate, is I like to be able to make predictions so that later I can be like, you can go back and see I was right, but you don't ever talk about the times you were wrong. And I, uh, you know, I've always been like, I don't know about this whole Zion thing. I don't think he's ever going to stay healthy. So like every year he has an injury. Not that I want him to be injured, but I'm like, go check out my podcast before he was drafted. And I said, you know, <laughs> like, uh, so I don't want Poku to be that way. But when I look at him, I'm like, he just looks like the type that might get injured a lot. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's really probably the only reason he wasn't like a top 10 pick or the only reason why there's been why there are, are so many questions about him and continue to be like just it's it's his frame. I mean, he's extremely skinny, like right. even by like skinny NBA guy, like, you know, what I mean, like Kevin Durant he, was the, like the skinniest. But yeah, he's like even more so. Yeah, he is. He's he's like the skinniest dude ever. Like he's like as skinny as bowl bowl. But like something about his proportions, just it looks it Different. just looks weird. Yeah, it looks weird. And then and, and and just, you know, it doesn't really look like he, he's going to be able to put on a lot of muscle. And I mean, it's again, like Durant, like has done pretty well for himself as a skinny guy. And there's been some other guys throughout, you know, NBA history that have done pretty well being skinny as hell. And um, he as long as he can gain some functional strength, I think he's always going to look like freakishly skinny. But uh there's there's a lot to like about his game too. He he's such a wild card. Like he he's the type of dude where like I don't even want to make a prediction about him because it's like he could be out of the league in two years, or he could be like a unicorn that everybody's talking about in two years. Like it, it really could go either way with him. Like he's the ultimate just uh high upside, low floor guy. And I don't I'm just gonna watch it play out, man. Like I don't even want to. I'm gonna leave that one alone. Like, right. um, but but yeah, hopefully he stays healthy though. Uh, do you have any fun predictions or hot takes that you like? You know, just hills you die on, things you love or or hate. Because like to me, a lot of my fandom is driven through hate. Honestly, like I don't. <laughs> I know that's like people are like quit being a hater, but I don't know. Like I just growing up, like I hated how boring the Spurs were, right? And I was like, fuck anyone but the Spurs, God. But now I like totally respect it. But when I was young, I did not, you know. Yeah, I mean, 
when I was young, like as a kid in the late nineties, like I, I hated the jazz cause I was a, a big Jordan fan. And obviously the jazz were, you know, who were, they were meeting in the finals those years. And, uh, and I think that's kind of stuck with me. And, uh, you know, I've, I'm not going to say I hate like Rudy Gobert, but he's kind of the guy where I'm like, they're never going to, you know, get out of the second round with that, with that dude as, as your center. Like he's, he's too limited. Um, so I, he's, he's the one guy that I kind of hate on a little bit here and there. Like, cause he, you know, he just went all these defensive player of the years, people saying a top 20 player and a top five center or whatever. And his regular season numbers are great. And the jazz kill it in the regular season, but every year in the playoffs, it's the same old story with him. He gets played off the floor. Like the Clippers killed them with that, that five out lineup and they refused to take Gobert out and he, he got killed. And um, he gets he gets bullied at the rim by smaller guys like Reggie Jackson, just going into his chest like he's nothing. And uh, just for all the credit that that guy gets um, when it counts, he hasn't really translated to winning. So, again, I don't hate him. Like, I'm sure he's an all right guy, but like uh, but he's he. I guess I kind of hate him as a player. Like sports. Um, Yeah. Sports hate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's maybe a few guys like that, but I'm pretty positive when it when it comes to NBA, like. If there's something I don't like, I just kind of ignore it and move on to something that that I'm going to enjoy, um, someone to root for. And most of my predictions involve like, you know, young guys that I think are going to really blow up and, you know, the kind of breakout candidates like that's this time of the year before the season. That's that's always what I'm thinking about is like, all right, which which young guys are going to take the take the leap? Uh, in the NBA this year, I, I was just watching the right before this was catching up on the uh, the tape of the the Raptors today, and I mean, I think OG Ananobi is going to be a monster this season. Yeah, I think he's probably my pick for like for most improved player. You know, to throw out a prediction there, um, he had a good season last year. He missed a lot of time with injuries. When he was on the court, he was pretty damn good. I think he averaged about fifteen a game with good efficiency. But uh, I think you know he's going to make the jump to like a star this year, like 20 plus points per game. Um, maybe like, you know, poor man's Kawhi Leonard. I think they're, they're very similar players. I think he's on a very similar trajectory as a player to what Kawhi was coming up with the Spurs. And I think this is going to kind of be the year that, that he takes the leap probably makes an all-star team. I think the Raptors are going to surprise people and he's going to get a lot of the credit. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different kind of exciting breakout candidates I could talk about, but he's like at the top of my list just because He's already established that he's a damn good NBA player. And, and I think he's one that can make a jump to, to being like a, a bona fide star this year. So I have high hopes for my man OG up in Toronto. Right. Yeah. I, I have based a lot of player evaluations on if I like to use them on NBA 2K. And I always, I like to trade for OG on my team, you know, so the killer on 2K. <laughs> Dude, I haven't played 2K since like, I think I want to say 2K10 was the last that 2K was- I played. Actually, I looked into this is the first year I haven't bought it day one uh, since 2K10. I bought every year since 2K10, if that's the Kobe year. Maybe it was 2K9. Whatever year Kobe was on it, I bought it that yeah. year. And I bought it every year since. I loved it. I mean, I would I would just preach to people how great this game was. And even when they switched to, like, virtual currency, it wasn't at one time. I, like, stuck around. I was like, I get it. I get it. You know, I'll just earn it. Other people can pay for it, but I'm going to earn mine because, you know, I'm old school like that. And then uh, last year I bought, like, the the Kobe legendary edition that gave me all the coins on day one. And I was like, Oh, it's way better getting all the free shit day one. <laughs> like I, I should have been doing this the whole time. Uh, but I just, Oh man, I just yeah, felt like any of that. Yeah. I needed to take this year off. I was like, I've bought it every year. It basically is the same fucking game every year. And I do love it. You know, don't get me wrong, but I was just like, I have a PS five and I need to play some other fucking games um, instead of always stuck on this basketball game. So I'm taking the year off, but don't get me wrong. It's been like three weeks and I'm like all the time telling my wife, like, I might go ahead and buy it. You know, I'm thinking about it. Maybe if I, I see it on sale, I'll go ahead. You know, so we'll see if I make it. Yeah, I, I played that, man, like 2K, 8, 9 and 10. Like I, I played it way too much. I remember so many nights, like literally staying up all night, like the sun would be coming up and I was still playing. I I think I had a PlayStation and I would play online against people and I was nice. I would just run with the with those old Blazers teams with like Brandon Roy and Greg Oden, Aldridge. And uh, but I I got too deep into it, man. And so like I think my when my PlayStation died, 
I was just like, I'm just not, I'm not going to get another one. And it's been, you know, like 10, 11 years since I picked up a, a controller of, of any, for any video game. Now it's like, I don't know, maybe I'll get back into it someday. Or like, maybe if my kid gets into it down the road, I'll, right. I'll jump back on. But, uh, I do think about it every year when like, when 2k is getting released and all the hype comes out, I'm like, Oh man, I'd love to get my hands on that. But, yeah. uh, you know, but I, but I haven't, man, I just like I said, I, I'm sure I'll come back to it eventually. And really, the reason it got me so much is I grew up, uh, you know, I always tell people like I was a real gamer, you know, but really all that means is like I play like Japanese role playing games, you know, and I had friends that also played video games, but they played sports games. So, you know, I did both. And then this NBA 2K, they just nailed it with this my player mode where it's like it's an RPG basketball game. You know, like you are you and you're playing as you. And I just love everything about it. Like. Uh, I just would get so deep into it. And now I think it's gotten worse. Certain years are better than others, but it's it's gotten very generic and corny. And it's all about the online play and them, them making money, selling extra packs and stuff. You know, like, so I'm like, ah, it's kind of lost what I loved about it. But it is still really good. And they have no competition. That, yeah. Uh, that that shit that's that, that's kind of strange to me like how you how you can like buy shit now like on it because that wasn't i don't know when that came along but that definitely wasn't a thing in like you know 29 2010 or 2009 or whenever i was playing it like i missed i never i never experienced that that kind of i don't know how i feel about that yeah i don't know much about it but i don't know how i feel about i'd it. say maybe like 2k 11 or 12 was the year they introduced it and you could turn it off like it was your choice online career mode or offline if you did offline they would do it like the old school where you would just play a game and earn so many points and then you could use those to make your guy better but the online is what makes it fun though like playing you know I like know. That, i thought that that was the coolest shit because i was almost like cutting edge in like 2008 2009 really like with basketball it, games like I don't know. I think that was one of the first years you could really play it online. And I thought that was the coolest shit ever. And what's like your crazy rankings and your record is be, I guess probably because the graphics have gotten you know better every year. But like the latency and how good it worked back then is still the same as now. Like it's laggier probably now. Right. Like and people have better Internet. So like even back then, like I think of that sometimes like we used to play like Halo or whatever. And it was like shitty, shitty Internet. But it worked pretty well. And now you play video games with like this great internet and you know, things will be all shitty. And I'm like, man, we think we're so much more advanced, but I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that probably applies to a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how these phones work. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> try to get on you on your basketball takes, uh, besides 2k, do you have like any predictions for Ben Simmons? That's like a hot topic issue. I personally have never been a big, big Ben Simmons fan, I guess, because, uh, you know, it's like rat beefs, you know, when there's a rat beef and I choose a side, I'm always like kind of ride or die. And so there was the whole Donovan Mitchell versus Ben Simmons argument. And at that time I was like, I understand why people are saying Ben Simmons is a rookie. I just felt given the circumstance, Donovan Mitchell deserved it because he was a real rookie and then also doing awesome, you know? So for whatever reason, since then, I've always been like anti Ben Simmons, but I know he's also, he's very good. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's, he's another guy that's, He's, he's, he's very good, but he's limited. I mean, right. it, I think it goes without saying at this point, uh, can't shoot, uh, but he is one of the best defensive players in the league. He is uh, a very good playmaker at 6'11", 6'10", basically a point guard. Uh, does a lot of things so well where it's just like, you just want to think it can work if it's in the right situation. Like, okay, in Philly, like it wasn't a failure. Like they were a very good team. Right. They had the best record in the Eastern conference last year. People seem to forget that, but you know, they, they flamed out in the playoffs and a lot of that was, uh, he does deserve blame for a lot of that for sure. But it's like, even that wasn't a failure. And that probably wasn't an ideal fit for Ben Simmons. I, I think the bottom line with him is that he's probably not best suited as a point guard in the NBA. Like, I think you want to see him more as like a small ball five or like a playmaking power forward, sort of in the mold of like Draymond green. Like, I think that's sort of his best fit. So I'd like to see him paired with a high caliber point guard that can shoot the rock kind of like Draymond was with Steph. Maybe, you know, maybe get him to Portland and pair him with Damian Lillard and see what that looks like. I'd like to see that. Uh, I just I, in today's NBA, I don't think you want your primary ball handler not being able to shoot. Yeah. And so that it's just I think a lot of that is is a role issue. And I think that's why there's going to be some appeal here from these other teams. I think there's a lot more interest in Ben Simmons than uh, than the media would would sort of have you believe. Like it's almost this picture has been painted where it's like there's no 
no trade market for the guy or his values in the tank. And it's like, I don't know about that. I think there's some teams that are very intrigued by him and, and would love to have him and, and are going to end up paying a pretty good price for him when the time does come to trade him. Um, so, I mean, there's a few teams I think you could look at as uh, likely destinations. Like I think Minnesota makes a lot of sense. I think Sacramento makes a lot of sense. I think Golden State makes some sense. I think Portland makes some sense. I've heard some talk about Indiana. I don't know that they would have enough to get him. Um, but it's like the, yeah, the Sixers have no leverage, right? Because, you know, he's like demanded a trade and it's like, they, they just, they re- they need to trade him. Otherwise they're just, um, uh, like they need to get something back for him. Cause he's not going to play for the Sixers again. So it's like from a leverage standpoint, they're not looking great, but like, that doesn't mean he doesn't have value. And if he has as much value as I think he probably does, and you've got six or seven teams that really want him and they start making offers, um, I think those offers are going to compete with one another, drive each other up to where Philly actually makes out okay uh, in, you know, ultimately from Ben Simmons. But one thing to keep in mind and why a deal probably hasn't gotten done yet is that none of the guys that were acquired across the league uh, this past offseason can be traded until December 15th. So like that's a lot of guys and a lot of the guys that have been mentioned as, as potential uh, trade pieces in a deal for Simmons. So we might, not see a deal until after that day or maybe even the deadline um he's gonna get moved at some point and i do think philly's gonna get more than uh than people are probably thinking for ben simmons because i think there's a lot of i think teams are still um still intrigued by by what he could be he's been pretty damn good i just i i just think i think we've lost perspective when it comes to ben simmons i think some of the talk i've heard ever since the playoffs has been absolutely insane People just saying like he's trash and oh, I wouldn't give up Keldon Johnson for him or like whatever shit like that. And it's like, come on, man. He's he's a three-time all-star. He damn near one defensive player of the year. Like he's a six eleven, like point guard, point four, whatever, whatever you want to call him. He's still only 25. Like, it, you know, you use that guy right. He could be pretty damn good. But uh, I don't have any predictions. Just like he, I those are the teams I think would be most likely for him. And and I think if he did land in a situation like Portland, maybe for CJ McCollum. Um, I think he could be really special next to a, next to a point guard like Dane that has that kind of shooting range. Yeah, I agree. And um, again, it all comes to 2K. You know, if I'm starting with Ben Simmons, I'm never pairing with Joel Embiid as like my second pick in the fantasy draft. You know, if I have to use them because they right. they're, they're all twos, you know, and I get Embiid shoots a lot of threes. But I don't know. I don't know the percentage, but I always feel like when I'm watching, it doesn't seem like he makes as many as he thinks he's good at shooting threes. But again, that. That's just some eye test bullshit that probably means nothing. Uh, so I would agree. I think him with a perimeter guy would make way more sense. And I remember when he was coming out of college, I thought it was pitched that he was a LeBron type. And so I thought he was going to play small forward. But like they and me were like, no, he's a point guard. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. So I, I just, yeah, I think any other position he would work better than point guard myself. But I'm not. Yeah, a, a I think that might be expert. the problem. Like he he's only they've they tried to make him a point guard in Philly. That's really the only thing he's been in the NBA. And it's like. Uh, I don't think that's his best role. So like, I'm not prepared to write him off until I see him in what I would consider to be a more optimal role. Well, uh, you know, and maybe in the nineties, he would have been a point guard that, and that would have been fine. But I do think in like today's NBA point guards score so proficiently in like every level that like, it's just a different position now. You can only have so many non-shooters on the floor in today's yeah. NBA. And like to just to like right off the bat, point guard you've got a non-shooter it's like that's putting you at a disadvantage because there's a pretty good chance your center is going to be a non-shooter or even someone like Embiid that can definitely shoot but like you know he's not a three-point shooter like he's not you know that's not his best game and like and they did put some shooting around him in Philly but I just think put him as the center with four shooters around him and and see what happens I think that's where you see the best version of Ben Simmons uh, will will that happen? That that remains to be seen. But I have to think that some of these teams that that might have their eyes on him um, would be thinking along those lines. Right, right. Well, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens there. Um, I guess other random predictions. Do you have any like you know NBA Finals predictions? Have you gotten that deep in your head or any fun ones? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to bet against like the Nets. Uh, I mean, I think there's there's some clear favorites, you know, I think there's a there's a tier of teams like the Nets, the Bucks, of course, 
uh, and and probably the Lakers, I think, would be the three that really come to mind. And that's that's going to be everybody's favorites, the betting favorites, all that. But, you know, a dark horse team that I like is Dallas. I think I expect Luka to be the best player in the NBA this year. I think Luka's going to have just a, a crazy season. And again, like the NBA is so star driven that if you have the best player in the league, you've got a pretty damn good chance. And I think the supporting cast around him is a little bit underrated. Um, We know that they're one of the all-time great offenses in the NBA. We already know that, you know, they, um, you look at their offensive rating and any metric, like they're, they're, they're a phenomenal offense. And it's just a matter of dialing in the defense a little bit. Do they have the pieces to do that? I don't know. Um, They've obviously got a new coach in, in Jason Kidd. I'm a big believer in Jason Kidd. I know he gets shit on a lot, but uh, but I still believe in him as as a good NBA coach. Uh, I think he can be one, and and I think they may have needed a new voice in Dallas as as well respected as Rick Carlisle is. I think it I think it was time to switch things up, and I think Jason Kidd's going to be great for Luca. So I like them as a dark horse just because I think they're going to have the best player, and I think Kristaps Porzingis is going to have a bounce back season. He was injured. Uh, you know, he's dealt with a lot of injuries, and I don't think he was ever at full strength last season. But, um, but, but you get that guy fully healthy next to Luca. That's a pretty damn good pairing right there. And they've got a lot of good just role players, auxiliary players. Brought in a couple shooters and Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown. Um, you know, Mark Cuban not afraid to spend money. Not you know, treat his team well. All that. I just, I, there's a lot to like, I think about Dallas. I think they're like, if I had to pick like a dark horse that like nobody's talking about as a contender, that would be the one I'm not saying they're going to win the title, but like I put money on them. Um, when I was in Vegas for summer league, just because it was like, I forget what the odds were, but, but, uh, but I liked them and it was like, uh, why not? You know? And then if, if I want to pick an Eastern conference team that I think people are sleeping on a little bit, it would be Boston. Like wouldn't shock me if they, made a run out of the East. I think they're going to be a lot better than people think. Um, So Boston and Dallas would kind of be like my two dark horses, but I do think there's an obvious tier of, um, of favorites. And and that would be the net, the nets, the bucks and the Lakers. Right. And it really is like, uh, you know, if COVID affects a team, if there's a new variant, you know, vaccine, I mean, there is all this like weird wild card stuff that can derail a team, you know, that you normally wouldn't have to think of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that could that could definitely be a factor again this season. I think it was a big factor last season. Um, you know, I think teams like Utah and Phoenix that had a lot of success in the regular season, Phoenix throughout the postseason, those are teams that that had pretty good injury luck and had really good COVID luck. Uh and, and then you look at a team like the Celtics that was just decimated by COVID and injuries. Um, and just kind of squeaked into the playoffs. And uh, you know, I think they were I think they were five hundred last year and they should have been a lot better than that, but you know, they, they just, they got bit bad by those bugs. And, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons I think they're going to be better this year. You know, it's just like, hopefully, hopefully they can stay healthy and, and COVID free and all that. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That that's a factor. And it's just hard to, hard to know who it's going to affect, but it's going to affect somebody right. and, and likely open the door for one of these teams that nobody's really talking about right now as a contender. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Dallas earlier. And in general, I hate all Dallas sports because I'm in Oklahoma and fuck Texas. And that's just the whole thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I guess, well, the reasoning is Mark Cuban's just great on every interview and on Shark Tank and anything he's in. I'm like, man, I like Mark Cuban. So I want to like the Mavericks a little bit and they get Luca. And so I'm like, I'm going to try to like Luca. But I will say like the thing I hate, you know, not to be old man about it. I hate the complaining that I feel like we see in the NBA now that I don't feel like we saw as much back today. I'm sure there could be some highlight rain that yes, they did. Um, but it feels like people just complain after every call. It's why I don't love LeBron. You know, I get how he's great, but it's like you can't watch a game without him, like trying to sell every call and cry. That's why I'm team Kobe. In my memory, Kobe never done this shit. Uh, so anyway, I want to like Luca, but I feel like he just cr- complains so much that like it makes it hard to like him. You know, it's like as a fan, it it's difficult. Yeah, he does. And I hope he realizes just how bad of a look it is. And, you know, not to like blame LeBron for it, but he, you know, he's been the best player in the league for here. He was at least for so long. And and certainly the most well-respected, like the player of his generation. Like there's no doubt about I mean, he's that. He's still the face. I mean, right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's 20 going on 20 years now. Yeah. And, um, and he, and he does it, 
He does it worse than anybody. So you have to think some of that kind of stems from the top where he's kind of setting this tone where young players coming in that grew up idolizing him might think it's a little more acceptable uh, to, to do that. And it's like, of course, guys have always complained about calls, but I completely agree that it's gone to a whole nother level. And when you see some of the best players in the league doing it, whether it's LeBron or, or Luka or Jokic, Jokic is pretty bad with it. Um, it's just not good. Nobody enjoys it. Uh, and I, I wish I wish they would chill with that stuff because like you know yeah guys in the 90s and early 2000s they weren't it wasn't like this like they would complain a little bit but it wasn't after every single play flailing their arms up not getting back on defense um just because they're busy complaining to a ref about something it's like the refs are like have gotten into these guys heads and i don't know it, it's almost comical when, when you see someone like luca or lebron doing it cause it's like oh my god man every time right like, now come on, when come chris on. paul was on the thunder i loved it because i he was a little guy and he would like talk to the refs like on a time he was like ooh, he was savvy you know you really liked it but I also I used to get really annoyed at Westbrook. I would hate that he would have just run in, do a layup, fall down, grab his face, and just wait for a whistle to be called. And as soon as they called, he would jump up and be like, oh, "I was lying." And I'd like I hate it even as a Thunder fan. I don't know. It's such a tough issue, just like the effect that the refs have on the game. Like you know, as someone who played a lot of basketball um, when I was younger, like I, I was I was always pissed at the refs too. I was yelling at them and stuff. And it's like, and in today's NBA, like there it's. So much is made of the way games are officiated, you know, like this season, they're trying to eliminate um, those calls that guys would get on what they call, you know, non-basketball plays or whatever, like the stuff Trey Young or Steph would do where, you you know, you lean deliberately lean into the defender. You take some wild shot just because you're trying to draw a foul. I see. And, um, and I know it's weird because I just say I can play with the other stuff. To me, I don't think it's weird for someone to take like a, a crazy ill-advised shot because someone reached. You know, like I think that's like is part of basketball to me or like leaning into someone. But I get they're like trying to avoid injuries. I think that's probably the reasoning. Yeah, that's part of it. Now, yeah, I mean, they they definitely had that rule based on the Zaza Pachulia thing where he yeah. kind of stuck his foot under Kawhi and cost sure. probably cost the Spurs a, a nice playoff run there. But uh, so that they, yeah, they're doing that. And then but it, it's tough, man. They're making little alterations to the way it's officiated every year. But I just I, I hate how much it's talked about. And how much people blame stuff on the refs and how much every little call is dissected. And it's like part of me, I like the, you know, the um, the reviews and coaches challenges and everything. Like I, I want them to get it right. But at the same time, I feel like it's becoming too big a part of the game. Like, you know, 20 years ago when there wasn't all this technology to do that. And they just kind of like hey, it was a bad call, but we move on. And now it's like everything's under a microscope. And it's like I'm a fan of the NBA for the basketball for the players, like not the refs. And like, so I don't really want to hear too much about the refs and the way the game's being officiated. Like it's, it's, it's a very tricky issue though. Cause like, there's no denying that it's an important thing, but, but uh, I'm, man, I'm just in it for the basketball. Like, so I, yeah, I, I, I think it's good. And I think really what basketball would sets it apart. Cause you know, I grew up being in Oklahoma, like you kind of want to like football. That's what everyone pushes you towards. And I did like football, the NFL for a, little, a while, but whenever I got to a certain point, I just kind of quit caring about it as much. And I really gravitate towards the NBA. And it is because they has, there are so many storylines and I don't know if it's media created or if it's real, but there is something that makes it it's like more personable, a little bit professional wrestling, if you will, you know, compared to like in the NFL where everyone's faceless and like, a robot person except the quarterbacks. Oh, there's something about the NBA that like it just draws you in. So I just hope they don't ruin it, you know, with like too much. Yeah. I mean, I think it's in pretty good hands. Like I, I like Adam Silver a lot. And I think I think everything they're doing is to improve the quality of the game. And that that means a lot to me. Like I really I genuinely think that that's their priority is doing what's best for the game. Cause they see these non-basketball moves or these non-basketball plays, whatever they call it. And it's like, that's not good for basketball. Like fans watch that and they're like, ah, come on. So I I do think that that's like their ultimate aim. And like, maybe it's going to take a little bit of time to get to some optimal version of the game, but I think that's the direction they're trying to head. So I I feel really good about that. I think they're just doing what's necessary um, and just working out kinks and, and, uh, and trying to nip things like that at the bud when players start to, because players are always going to be one step ahead of the refs. And when the players start doing something like that, that's not conducive to quality basketball. It seems like the NBA now is like, nah, enough of that shit. So I like that. Um, 
and and yeah, I know what you mean, man. Like, I, dude, I, I first of all, I'm not a football fan at all. I don't know shit about football. But even if I was, like, I don't think I could recognize like you know very many football players just walking around because you don't you don't see them you don't know about them it's not the same kind of storyline stuff that there is in the nba where like the nba is just big personalities and like uh it's just different i think that's part of the reason why i love it you know you really you kind of feel like you get to know these guys more than with with other sports and even as like a tv show product i think i just gravitate towards the nba so much more because like the NFL, it's like once a week, there's this big showcase and it's like three hours long if you want to watch, you know, whatever team. And then there's like a million commercials. It's just commercial, commercial, commercial. And like, I just get so I'm like, I got tired of watching football and then basketball. Um, you know, it's pretty quick. You know, you do your half, you do your halftime show. If it's TNT, it's a fucking cool little show. And then, you know, you do your the second half. And it, I don't know, it just seems quick and easy. And I just think it's a better viewing experience, too. And so it, the more reviews they get, the kind of they worsen that product of it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's very important. And I mean, they're in a sense competing against the NFL, which is a pretty daunting opponent. So uh, so it's very important that they do everything the right way. Like, you know, they're they're trying to gain some ground on the NFL. And I mean, with, you know, you're preaching to the choir about the, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a, a football guy at all. I mean, basketball is really the only thing I watch at, at all. Um, to, like of all TV, not just sports. So, uh, so yeah, I don't even know. Um, I, I like, I'll watch football if it's on, like if I'm at a bar or something and the game is on, especially if it's a good game, like I'll get sucked into it for a few minutes. Uh, I enjoy the game. I just don't, I don't know anything about it. I don't follow it. And yeah, as far as just the presentation on, on television, I enjoy the NBA experience a lot more, just the pace that moves along with. And uh, yeah, it is fewer commercials. It seems like, and, uh, yeah, I'm I'm a yeah. I'm an NBA guy through and through, man. <laughs> There's I, I no think, doubt about that. Yeah, I think they really just uh, and I think they are with the G League, if I remember correctly. I think if they just put more games available online to just watch, um, just put it in more places, you'll get more viewers. You know, like if I just saw like a fucking Russian league basketball game on, and I was doing nothing else, I'd be like, all right, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'll watch it. <laughs> you know, so I do think there's just there's uh opportunities for people but like we were mentioned at the very beginning of this it's so paywalled and sectioned off where you can't watch certain stuff that yeah it makes the problem is that these these tv deals are so long term like i I don't i don't know exactly and i don't have it in front of me certainly but i want to say it was like the last tv deal they signed was like a a 14-year deal or something like that at least like 10 years right and so if, if you think about how much uh the way people view sports or tv period has changed in the last 10 to 14 years or whatever. It's like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like every few years it changes radically. It feels like, like, you know, things are completely different now than they were when that deal was, was signed. So it's like, I think that explains a lot of these inexplicabilities where it's like, why the fuck is it like this? Like, there's a better way to do this. And it's like, yeah. And I'm sure the next time they sign a deal, it will be, it will be better, but it's like, hopefully they, they, keep that in mind and either do a shorter term thing or, or uh, have some room in there to, um, to, to change it where it needs to be changed and, and just sort of adapt uh, to the way things are going. Cause I don't think YouTube TV, for instance, existed when the NBA signed their last TV deal, but YouTube TV subscribers now are kind of suffering because of the rules that are in place with, uh, with blackouts and everything. So I think that's a big part of it is just, it's like these super long-term agreements uh, in a time when things are changing rapidly. Right. Hell yeah, man. Well, um, you know, I'll try not to keep you too much longer here. I do appreciate you calling, you know, into my dumb podcast to talk about real NBA shit. Um, you know, feel like we got expert advice around here. Hey, man, no, it's it's been cool. It's been cool talking to you, man. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm down to come on anytime, man. I mean, I can I can really uh, I could talk about hoops forever, man. Like uh, you know, any direction you ever want to go, uh, I'm I'm down to talk about it. So, oh, real uh, quick, because I I remember we I just saw this before we went uh, live or whatever the the four million dollar uh, like retired NBA player stealing money, some shit like that, dude crazy it's crazy i i mean i i woke up to it this morning it was like what the fuck come on like i don't know man i need to i need to read the full story uh but yeah it just seems like a a group of former nba players i think it was 18 of them uh and the the, uh, the ringleader of them was was terrence williams he was drafted by the nets played for the rockets a few other teams actually a really talented player i think he played at louisville um i liked him a lot i remember really on the rockets on the nba yeah 
Yeah, he was definitely on the Rockets. Um, but he, uh, I think he was kind of the ringleader and, and he brought in all these other guys and, uh, you know, some pretty big names. I think Tony Allen, Glenn Davis, Shannon Brown. And, Sebastian Telfair uh, is one of my favorite what if players and his name oh, was on man. the list. Well, I think he just got out of jail. Too. I know. He was in yeah. jail on like a gun, a gun possession charge or something. And, and now he's in this. And, and I think, I, I want to, I think all the, all of them are in custody or most of them anyway. Yeah. And it's some pretty serious charges, man. Like, you know, I, I don't, basically like health insurance fraud, um, submitting false claims. Like, yeah, I got a, uh, you know, submitting it to the NBA cause they, you know, they're trying to take care of the players after they retire. And it's like, yeah, I got some dental work done. Yep. Uh, it was however much money can you reimburse me? And they were doing it. And, uh, and yeah, it looks like it added up to about 4 million, but it's, it's some serious shit. I mean, those, I think they're probably going to all do time. It's, I mean, it's federal charges. I mean, so that's a big deal to me if the federal government's involved. And then the NBA, I mean, is like one of the biggest corporations in America and probably biggest employers across, the, you know, the multiple states or whatever. So, yeah, I think it's going to be hard for them to get out of it. And then also the other players, I bet, retired players are pissed at them uh, because, like, you know, like it's put in place to protect them. And then these guys take advantage of the system. Like, you know, I'd be pissed if I was in that fraternity of players. Oh, yeah, man. It's a it's a bad look. No question. Um, like I said, I want to I want to dive into it and learn some more. I know there's some pretty thorough um, articles out about it already, uh, but like I've just kind of been looking at the tweets about it and shit. I, I was waiting for a podcast. I know that's lame, but these days I'm like, oh, there's a podcast will be up soon. So I've been refreshing it to see if there's oh. like an emergency pod. But there has. Yeah, been. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking I'm looking for that, too. And I think. I think down the road, there's going to be like a fucking true crime, like yeah. serial podcast on this <laughs> shit or something. 30, yeah, dude, it's fucked up. But like when there's some crazy story in the news like that, I'm kind of like, ah, I'll wait till the podcast comes out and kind of just learn about it all then. Because I do like that, that sort of true crime shit or the 30 for 30s or whatever. And uh, no matter what it is, like um, I like I'm just like, I'd rather learn about it that way than right. like. Like, read about it right now because i know that shit's coming and i know it's going to be dope and it would be that much more enjoyable for me if i don't really know all the details but it is a bad look for those players there's no doubt about that not basketball related, but how i feel about this gabby petito thing i'm like you know what hulu and netflix are gonna have competing documentaries about this in a couple years and yep. i'll learn all the facts about it then because i can't exactly what i was what i had in mind when i said that because like that when because that i didn't i missed most of that yeah for whatever too. reason um, I just like didn't see any of it until it was, you know, at the end, like, you know, when they found her or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I don't like not not that it's like a, a light matter or anything. But I was that was my first thought was like, I'll you know, I'm going to when the podcast comes out, I'm going to check it out because I know people were really wrapped up in the story. And it was a really compelling thing that a lot of people were following. And and I, I happened to miss out on it. And and by the time I started seeing stuff about it, I'm like, I'll just I'll wait till some till the Netflix or the, the Amazon thing comes out about it. And I, I it's crazy that that's how things are right. now, but you know, it's coming. Or even 100%. these days, uh, I, something I, I love to think about is like, I love video game content. We talked about earlier, but like the video game space is like completely amateur content. You're at like, there is no ESPN for video games. I mean, and there's a G4. It's trying to come back, but not really. And you know, there's like IGN, which is like a popular website, but they're not more popular than amateur YouTubers. You know, it's like I just think that's so fascinating that there's like this whole industry that's just ran by amateurs or whatever. And so, um, yeah, I know. I, I think that tied in uh, to all the like, just podcasting, like you want to hear your basketball news or your uh, the new the news news or whatever from someone else like you think you trust. And maybe you do trust, but like it's, you know, you don't rely on a, a brand anymore to figure this shit. No, out. no. Yeah, it's changed so much, man. Like just the, the mainstream shit is just like is not not the best shit out there or the most popular anymore. Like there's, yeah, man, there's like, there's basketball channels on YouTube that get more views than like the NBA TV, like, you know, shows or whatever. And like, yeah. Or news, like there's, there's guys, there's podcasts or like, um, or, or like news sort of news channels, I guess you could say on, on YouTube, on uh, news based channels that they get more views than like CNN or something. Now, like people are just looking I think it's a beautiful thing. It's like, you know, like what's to say that something like CNN is any more legit than um, than a guy on YouTube that's got millions of subscribers? Like, I don't know anymore. You know, like I don't necessarily just think just because something's mainstream, it's trustworthy. Um, I think a lot of these smaller people are trustworthy now. And I think we're seeing that reflected in 
their popularity relative to the mainstream. It's, it's really cool, man. It's just like things are so, yeah, whether it's sports or, or news or, or politics or whatever, like, uh, you know, you might be better off just to get it off YouTube as long, you know, as long as you can sort of discern, you know, yourself, like, right. That, okay. This is, this is legit. Like this, this is not bullshit. Um, you obviously that's, that's a, you got to weed through a lot, but if you can find some legit stuff, I think that's the way to go. Right. Like there's this uh, one political politician or political podcast guy named Jimmy Dore. He's like super liberal. Right. And he's uh, great. He's yeah, great. I listen to Jimmy Dore. And really, I do it because I also kind of enjoy to listen to like a Ben Shapiro episode now and then. Not because I follow either one of their belief systems. I just kind of like to listen to both sides and be like, what's everyone's arg- you know arguments this week? And uh, but, you know, you'll listen to CNN and they'll say they should be banned. Like they should ban Jimmy Dore. He's an extremist. And I'm like. I just listened to his part. He's like a comedian. Like, what are y'all talking yeah. about? Like, so like you, it's just so hard. It's, it's weird the way like mainstream is actually attacking now on, in some sectors. Uh, the, the little man, they're threatened, you know. man. They're threatened. They're that, that old model um, of media is, is threatened by guys like Jimmy Dore. Um, and it, yeah, it's funny the way that they'll paint these guys out to be. And it's like, no, I listen to that podcast. Even if it's like Joe Rogan, like the way that he, people that don't listen to the Joe Rogan podcast talk about the Joe Rogan podcast, you'd think he's like some lunatic, like right wing extremist. I'm like, he's liberal. Listen as fuck. To, like, I don't. Yeah. First of all, first of all, he's liberal. And, and like, he's like all this shit you're saying about him is not true. Like, like it's, it's wild the way, the, the way that people paint that out to be. And it's just, I use that example. Cause it's like the biggest podcast in the yeah. world, but he's so misre- misrepresented by, by people that don't actually listen to him. And I do think that stems from him sort of threatening a lot of these traditional models. Like he's, you know, he's a very open-minded guy. He's got incredible guests. Like what's not to like, okay. Like, you know, we don't listen to that podcast for, for Joe necessarily, you know, it's, it's more about, he's a great host, but it's, I'm in it for the guests. Like if he has a great guest, I'm listening to it. If I don't, if the guest does not appeal to me, I'm not going to probably listen to it. Like that's, it's pretty simple, but, but yeah, man, you're absolutely right. Like the way they talk about some people is crazy. Joe Rogan's a perfect example. Cause like, as soon as he got COVID, like the world was like, I hope he dies. He's taking horse medicine. And all of a sudden there was like a million horse memes. Like, just like the machine got turned on, right? And so I was just like, it's just wild the, the way that, like, I used to love Colbert until he's like turned his whole comedic style into just politics or whatever. And I get the Colbert poor politics, but it was funny. God damn it. And, uh, you know, but like no one watches late night shows anymore, you know, but like every, and that's like a five minute interview. It's the easiest thing in the world to watch. It's like you turn on your TV, five minute interview, watch it. No one watches that. Instead, they'll go listen to a three hour podcast yep. with like, some fucking neuroscientist, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and so people are like, I don't know. So I do think yeah. it's cool. I think it's cool the way the world's going in that. Hell part. yeah. That, that shit's really cool, man. Like it look it. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Like people love to listen to two, three hour conversations. Like that's why um, Joe's podcast is, is like the biggest in the world. And then, yeah, these late night shows are not doing the numbers that they used to do. It's like, oh, who knew? Like people would prefer like an in-depth, thoughtful, nuanced conversational interview to like this little canned five minute spiel. Like who, who knew? Like you'd think it would be pretty obvious, but they did, you know, it's like, yeah, a lot of people need to rethink a lot of things if they want to survive. I think right now, man, like uh, the, whether it's the, the talking heads on, on the political shows on CNN, the little round table of people just yelling at each other and in little like 30 second bursts or the late night talk shows. Like, yeah, that stuff's out, man. I think people are, people are smarter and, and more nuanced and more hungry for knowledge than I think the powers that be may have realized previously. Right. Yeah. It's definitely a cool new world. Um, but I right, mean, I'm gonna let you go. Uh, you know, I'll get all this edited. It'll come out next Wednesday, by the way. So uh, get excited for that. And, awesome, uh, man. Yeah. Let, let me know when it drops. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be, I'll be on the lookout for it when it drops, I guess. Yeah. Next week for sure. I'll, um, I'll uh, check it out and share it and everything. And yeah, man, thanks for, thanks for having me on, man. It's been great talking to you. I hope, hope we can do this again sometime soon. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. All right. Peace. All right, brother.
Bye.